that's the thing about fear. You know, this book is about giving fear a chance, mm -hmm. giving fear a minute, mm -hmm. and saying, but but not to say that we have to always accept the fear, right? but let's sit with it and decide yeah. if we're going to give it a minute because maybe it has a message. You're gonna wanna watch this impactful episode until the very end. But wait, before we hop into the show, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Now let's hop into the video. Welcome to the table, yeah, yeah. We gonna get real, we gonna get right. Oh, building up wealth, we gonna give life. Welcome to the table. So for news, man, my sister. Yes. How are you? I'm great. Man, listen here. I think it was what? Yeah, it's it's like what? I mean. No, January. Okay. January is when we first met each other in person. Mm -hmm. We both did live with Kelly and Ryan. Mm -hmm. You are a vet on live with Kelly. And, and Ryan. as are you. No, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still a baby. Brother. They love you though. They they do. I go over there every year now. You know what I'm saying? But you've been on there for years. Like you, I, I many different co-hosts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Since Regis. Yo, listen, rest in peace, best. rest in power. I've never met Regis. Um, I never, I never did a show with Regis. Um, but I, 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 I invited you on the show because you are one of the vets in the money space. Thank you. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of your stuff and I learned a lot of stuff from you. And I was like, yo, I got to have this sister on my show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because what you're doing is just phenomenal. Um, and I want to expose my people to a lot of people that I believe are um, healthy in this space. And you have a great book coming out called A Healthy State of Panic. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. We're going to also link it in today's show notes. Um, but let's go back to the beginning. Mm. Farnoosh. Yes, very good. There you Rolls go. Rolls off your tongue. Yes, Farnoosh. Some people just call me Noosh. Noosh? Yeah. Nah, I'm, no, you, I'm do okay. the whole thing. Do the whole thing. Farnoosh. Farnoosh. <laughs> Farnoosh. That's not American. Where is that from? It is Iranian. Iranian. But even in the Iranian culture, which sometimes people say Persian, I use them interchangeably, um, it's an unusual name. I've met like three Iranians in my entire life, male, female. Okay, and are their names similar to like yours as far as in the, like, the difference of it? Like Farnoosh, that's definitely not American. Nope. Anthony is American. It, it is. It is. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. I, I joke that my parents just, like, made it up, you know? Because, Absolutely. like, I was like, why? I was, <laughs> and I talk about in the book, it was such a pain. It was a pain point for me growing yeah. up because it was, like, no matter how much I tried to assimilate, couldn't help it. You're yeah. still, I tried to change my name. You did? Yeah. To Ashley, Nikki, no. Tina. My no. parents actually ended up changing their names. They did? Yeah. And my brother, and I'm 11 years older than him, so this will give a really, uh, this will tell you just how far my parents had sort of assimilated. Okay. Uh, or, or like sort of bought into the culture is yeah. that, so I'm Farnoosh. Okay. My brother is Todd. He's Todd? Yeah. You can read all about it in the book, but. One of my close friends' name is Todd, so, and that's an American name. I mean, it's you like can, Barbie Ken name. I mean, it's exactly. Like, <laughs> he's like he's like Ken's best friend, right? Yo, that is so funny. <laughs> so so I, I'm I'm curious. Let's talk a little bit about your background now. Um, Iran, Iran, right? Iran, Iran, Iran. Yeah. Were you born in Iran and then came over here? 
I was almost born in Iran. My mother was pregnant in 1979 to 1980, okay. during which time, if you know anything about Iranian culture, history, there was a big revolution breaking loose, mm -hmm. um, tyrannical regime. It was like, I, I talk about it as sort of like, if you ever watch Aladdin, it's like when Jafar takes over and like oh, dark clouds. And yeah. I mean, that's um, not to say like it's cartoonish at all, but it, right, was, right. it was terrifying and my parents, had been in the States for a bit. My dad was finishing up his postdoc. He was okay. a, he's a physics um, phenom, and the plan was to go back to Iran. But as my mother was becoming more pregnant with me and the conditions overseas were getting darker and darker and grimmer and grimmer, they really, like, fear helped them stay boots on the ground in America to just find a way to stay. It was really hard, you know, because once yeah. you're done with school here yeah. as an immigrant, unless yeah. you find a job, you have to go you back. gotta go back. And it was a really tense time for Iranians to be in America because the political tensions were really mm. high. But uh, my father said there was one guy who gave him a job and that job turned into another job. And, and he says, you know, sometimes in life you just need that one person yeah. to believe you because he got rejected left and right, you know, trying to get a job. And he's very good at what he does. It would have been great for him to, you know, contribute anywhere. But, you know, but one person and uh, Dr. Kanal, if you're if you're watching, he became a legend in my family. Did he? This, this man who basically I give I never met him, but wow. I mean, like changed the trajectory of my life, my parents life. I think that's powerful that I think it's powerful that you even know his name. Yeah, my father would speak his name often. I think um he was a mentor of his at the university and had some connections in the in the workforce yeah. and vouched for my dad and ultimately got him secure and got him a job. I think yeah. I met him once when I was a little girl. Um we used to joke he used to wear his pants up to like his chest <laughs> belt, you know, just a really like just jolly guy, wow. and um, yeah, it's crazy. My father and mother used to tell me, you know, when I was a little girl, like, you will learn one day just how lucky you are. Luck has played a huge role in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to acknowledge luck because mm -hmm. it can go both ways, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, that you don't just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. My parents had a lot of determination. Yeah. I inherited that, but also, like, let's just be honest, the, yeah. the stars aligned yeah. for me somehow, some for some reason, yeah. and I got to be grateful for that. Man, listen, Farnoosh, that's that's just an amazing story. Just to hear how your parents came over here, um, adapted to the culture, got fearful, stayed here so they wouldn't go back. I'm curious, have you and your parents ever talked about what would have happened with you all <clears throat> if you would have went back? Oh my gosh. Well, I can see it, Anthony, because I have cousins who still live in Iran, who wow. never, were, girl cousins, women cousins, who never were able to do what I'm doing. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, here I am in America. I yeah. run a business. Yeah. I went to graduate school. I married for love. First yeah. of all, that alone. I mean, just marrying for, for someone, love. For love, like someone who wasn't like had to give me economic security. You know, you. you know what I mean? Because I when you're you. a, a young woman in a country where they don't value your ability to rise through the ranks and get educated and get a job, a lot of those women maybe leave and they get educated here or in Europe. Mm -hmm. But for those by and large who stay in the country, they're dependent on another on man, another man wow. or their fathers. And wow. that seems so antiquated to us. Yeah. But it is the modern life there. Wow. Is it hard to get from there to here now? People come and go, but it is, <clears throat> it's is—it's 
it's hard. And, you know, I think people definitely do visit, but like any other, you know, person visiting a foreign country, you have to leave eventually. Yeah. The only reason you could stay maybe is if you get a, you know, a college says, hey, come here, study yeah. here. Um, I've had cousins who live in Kuwait, for example, yeah. study here and wow. then go back. Okay. Um, so it's possible, but you need to have someone in the U.S. Yeah. vouch for you. Gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so you're raised an American. You, uh, your parents are immigrants. Um, I'm curious a little bit because I really want to dive, dive into your book because as I was reading through it a little bit when you got here, I was like, oh, wait, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> but this book is needed um, because I want to talk about one of my favorite things that you talk about how to really embrace that just happened to me in June. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm excited. But I'm curious about the culture shift. How was how was it raising up in America from overseas culture like what mm -hmm. were some things that you all had to adapt and adjust that is now you have kids i have two young you kids. Have kids so like mm -hmm. your kids are probably experiencing something different from you right but i'm curious like what are some <clears throat> culture things you your parents had to shift in america that they, they would not have had to shift from over there well rejection for first you okay. know i mean the <clears throat> excuse me yeah I open the book with the fear of rejection. I cover nine different fears in the book. The fear of rejection is something that starts young, yes. I think. And especially for kids who are othered, whether it's because you were another race, another religion, another culture from where you are in your community. And I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts, which then and still largely white, yeah. largely Christian, largely yeah. Italian, Irish, you know. And then I remember in third grade, we had Where Are You From Day. Mm. And I was terrified to mm. get up and say that I was Iranian. So I told everyone I was Italian. <laughs> and I sat down. And everybody else, like my friend Nicole's parents were from France. She brought croissants. I was like, I got nothing. Mm. I'm an Italian. Next. Mm. You know, I just didn't. I was terrified about the rejection. And I know when you're young, that can feel like the end of the world for you. And as yeah. adults, we kind of like, we can, we have more agency, like we can brush it off, but it's still tough. And I think that for me, if I was in Iran, there would have been other hardships, but at least right. I wouldn't have felt disconnected Rejected. from the culture. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to change my name. I wouldn't have wanted to make myself small. Wow. And my parents remember when they would pick me up or speak in Farsi to me, I would just get, you know, so embarrassed. Yeah, like yeah. my dad in his, you know, broke beat up Celica coming to get me with his Iranian music <laughs> blasting. I'm like, please God, you know, I just want to be a, a blonde, blue eyed, dimpled <laughs> girl named Ashley. Can that happen for me? Why God, why? Wow. But you know, more seriously, I think and this is actually, I think, a benefit to being raised in my family with my background in America is that we talked about money, mm. the good and the bad. Okay. I say in the book, there's a whole central chapter, the fear of money, because mm -hmm. um, when we talk about money, we're talking about life. Yep. When we're afraid of money, we're also afraid of rejection and loneliness and yep. all the things. So yep. the, the fear of money is like a central chapter to the book. And mm. I say, like a lot of visceral fears, it has its own sort of like taste, sound for me the 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 sound of the fear of money is fists banging on laminate kitchen tables mm. growing up in my house cuz mm. my parents had fiery conversations and mm. arguments around mm -hmm. money and they exposed me to that because I was an only child and we lived in a small house and I had nowhere to go and no one to play with and so I just would watch them yeah fight but also reconcile yeah. and I think that's the key yeah. look we're all going to have 
disagreements yeah. around money with our friends, with our family, with our partners, with our kids. And if there's somebody watching, chiefly maybe your children, because a lot of times people go, how can I raise like, you know, money savvy kids? Like, oh, it's not about protecting them from the truth. It's yeah. about showing them the truth, but then showing them that you have a plan, showing them how you resolve it. My parents wouldn't talk to each other for about two weeks, but then they exactly. would come around and sometimes involve me. As I got older, my mother would use me as almost like an ambassador in the house. Can you go talk to your dad about why he won't give me passwords to the bank accounts? Mm. I need them. With tears in her eyes. Mm. I said, okay, all right, what? Mm. I gotta do this now? I'm 21 years old, I got mm. my own problems. Now I gotta come home for spring break and deal with this? Mm -hmm. And so I would, and I learned then that like, Love is greater than fear. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of how my dad would react. I was afraid of, you know, the embarrassment, the humility, all of it. But I was like, I'm also more afraid of my mother being vulnerable mm -hmm. and I'm gonna help her out mm -hmm. because I love her so much. And my dad did come around. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud of the, the ability that I was able to do that for them. But all this to say that money for us in our family was not taboo. It's not to say that it was a clean topic or that it was like, always happy, always rosy, to the contrary. But witnessing all of their trials and tribulations with that transparency, it has made me who I am. I'm the person who decided I'm not gonna get into a relationship dependent on anybody. That, you know, I'm gonna take care of myself first and foremost so that I can end up in a relationship with the freedom to choose who I wanna be with because I just love them. <laughs> Can, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine just being with someone because you just That's love them right. so much? And they support you and there's all, you know, marriage is complex, but you know, I just saw how my mom struggled so hard and not just her, but all of her peers, her female peers to this day. Yeah. She'll call me and say, you know, my friend suddenly became widowed, three kids doesn't know how to pay the mortgage, doesn't even know where the life insurance is, is there life insurance? And I go, wow, it's 2023 and this is still happening yeah. in modern times, you know? Yeah. And we know all the things and we don't do all the things. Mm. You know, it's so funny you talk about the fear of money and the conversation. I think, I think in my raising, the fear of money prevented us from talking about money. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I think the only thing, I'm, I'm, I'm Christian and my family um, are, my parents are preachers. And mm -hmm. they the only thing we talked about money for our news was just give God his 10%. Mm -hmm. But not how to start a business, not how to open up a um, investment account, yeah. not the importance of a 401k or a Roth IRA. Not even will conversations, not even entrepreneurship conversations, but I think the fear was, hey, we're not doing that good with money, so how can we even talk yeah. about it? And I think sometimes that is, that is a problem in America today, mm -hmm. is that the conversation of money is not being had at home, but you're saying that you all had the good and the bad conversations, and I think that's healthy. Quick pause from today's show. You see, life is a roller coaster of highs and lows. You see, when we're soaring, we're on top of the world, when we're winning, it feels like we can conquer and challenge anything that comes our way. Like, we can win, but let's be honest. When we're going through tough times, when we're navigating through a storm, it can be overwhelming, it can be depressive, and it could be hindering our ability to be the best version of ourselves. 
You see, over the last two, three years, I've learned the transformative power of therapy. You see, collaborating with a therapist can equip you and I with the insights and strategies to empower ourselves, helping us to face life hurdles with newfound confidence and power behind us. I want you to consider therapy. And, I, and while you're considering therapy, I want you to consider my friends over at BetterHelp, a top tier online therapy platform known for its accessibility, adaptability and affordability. I call it the three A's. You see, by filling out a concise questionnaire, you will be connected with a licensed therapist who resonates with your unique needs. The key word there was your unique needs. Moreover, the flexibility of changing a therapist if it's not working out for you is easy with BetterHelp and you can do this at any time because we want you to find the best therapist that's going to help you progress and move forward in life. Investing in our mental health is a step towards a more enriching life. Investing into therapy is a step towards you building long-lasting wealth. And to facilitate this, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting anthonyoneal.com forward slash therapy. Again, that is anthonyoneal.com forward slash therapy, or you can click the link in today's show notes. But the key thing here before we get back to today's show, start your journey towards self-empowerment today. And let's together resume our path to personal growth. Let's get back to the show. And I'll tell you what, when I think about your family, that's such a common common story and it's still prevalent we don't talk about money because i think when we are talking about money it's very personal it is it's it very is. personal and it suggests things about us that we don't want to face Ooh. our pasts Ooh. so i say if you're afraid of money and there are different flavors of that yeah. you know people are afraid for various reasons because maybe they're afraid of talking about money with their kids or their partner because they're worried about what it's going to reveal mm -hmm. about themselves or it might elicit a fight. They're afraid that they're going to lose money because yeah. maybe they saw that growing up as a kid. Their parents went bankrupt or what have you. Or they even recently themselves in the recession or in a stock market crash lost money. So yeah. I get it. We have these fears. But I think the first question you want to ask your fear of money is, how did you get here? Mm. Really? Like, who brought you here? Mm -hmm. How did you arrive? Did you come in a nice Uber or were you like, <laughs> did you hijack? Did you parachute into my house unwelcome? Right, right, right. Because that's the thing about fear. You know, this book is about giving fear a chance, mm. giving fear a minute mm -hmm. and saying, but, but not to say that we have to always yeah. accept the fear. Right. But let's sit with it and decide yeah. if we're going to give it a minute. Because maybe it has a message. Yeah. And so I think that money is just a tool. I think you would agree. Absolutely. We give money too much power sometimes to think that it's like it, it is dominating us when we're in charge. We're Absolutely. in control. It's just this piece of paper or digital even now. It's not even tangible. And so the first question you got to ask yourself is like, what, how did I inherit this fear? Mm -hmm. And I mean, for, for me, I grew up, I became this woman who was very independent, feminist, Okay. but there was a part of me, I'm gonna be very honest, that was afraid to make too much money. Oh. You know? Really? Because I thought that it would come at a price. What price that was that? I would, that I would become a, a worse mom, I wouldn't mm. have time for my kids, I wouldn't have time for my important relationships, that people would judge me. Okay. Like, I don't know, it's so funny because I wrote a book about female breadwinners and how it's important to, you know, embrace that and celebrate that. 
but deep down, secretly, I was still battling with, and I was doing well, don't get me wrong, I was right. like supporting our family, happy in my career, but I would look around and go, wow, that person's making like a lot more money. And then I thought, well, could I? Mm. And I said, no, 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 I, 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 my priorities need to be figured out. Like, that's too much, that's too much for me. Mm. And I was, I was talking to this money coach and she was like, why do you feel, why, where did that fear come from, Farnoosh? That was my, I said, well, you know, I just feel like I see around me when people become too financially focused, too much focused on getting more money, that things start to fall, crumble around them. Yes. Yes. Like I wasn't trustful yes. <clears throat> that I could double my income, which was already a good income, mm -hmm. without sacrificing things that were important to me. Mm. So I just said, no, that's not for me. Mm. And she said, what are you really, like, she said to me, don't you want to be powerful? Mm. I said, ew, no, I don't want to be powerful. That's a gross, <laughs> like, you know, I feel like that, that was, no. She's like, why, okay, let's unpack that. Wow. Why is the word power so disgusting to you. Wow. I said, well, because when I think of power, it's like all these narratives, right? Where do they effing come from? You right, know, right, like, right, she's right. like, I'm like, well, because when I think of power, I think of like the oil tycoon at the top of the tower, stealing money from the little people. It's a very masculine energy and I'm not, it's not aligned with me. And she goes, that's one definition of power. Ooh. You're using the like MGM, Disney Studios Ooh. definition of power, the Hollywood definition of power, the, you know, the hustle culture use of power, but like there's power to uplift, there's power to support, there's power to be in service. Yes. You know, like yes. you can use this power in beautiful ways, find that way. Yeah. And when you find your why for that power, you will want the money. Mm. I said, yeah, I do want to be powerful in my community. I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to leave a financial legacy. All that is powerful stuff. Yeah. So I said, okay, I think I have, what I was missing was a real desire and powerful why behind wanting to make the money. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I was still afraid that I was gonna, you know, like, right, now I, I, I was lacking the motivation. Now I have the motivation, but I'm still afraid. Okay. I'm still afraid that like, okay, great. Yeah, I'm gonna make more money because it'll be great for everybody in my community, but how do I do it? Mm. How do I do it that I don't, you know, stop seeing my family. <laughs> and I said, you know, I gotta start working harder and smart, not just harder, but smarter. Yeah, yeah. So I hired an assistant. Okay. I invested in myself and my business, which I was, you know, like it's hard in the beginning because you're like, will the ROI be there? But it was. <sighs> Who you tell? Step number one. Yeah. Step number two. Well, why that was important? Because she would do all the administrative things and I could like think big picture, establish more relationships, play that long game. Yes. Step number two, I just raised my prices. <laughs> try it. I, tr I dare you. People are fearful to raise their prices because they're fearful of what people would say about them if they raise their prices. But you know what? The best advice I ever got around negotiating is if you aren't even a little f afraid of asking for the money, you're not doing it right. Mm. I had This happened to me this week, Anthony. Mm. A company came to me and they said, okay, we'd like to book you for, your, for a keynote and buy some books. Mm -hmm. What's your price? And mm -hmm. normally I would just you know, give them my price, for, which has been the price for the last 10 years. And I yeah. thought, you know what? I'm gonna go a little, I'm just gonna make, I'm gonna phone a friend. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, phone yeah. a friend, I call a friend, um, Tiffany Liche. Okay, okay, okay. Budget Nista. Budget Nista, Tiffany, yeah. what do I do? I wanna say this, but I feel like there might be room for more. What's yeah. been your experience? And yeah. she just called me, she said, you need to, t she asked me to ask for like 
50% more. Ooh. And I said, that's terrifying. I was like, I have never asked for that much money for a keynote. Yeah, yeah. She goes, but you know what? They're paying it. Absolutely. They're paying it mm -hmm. to other people that I know that are equally as successful and accomplished as you, mm -hmm. just as far reaching. Try it. Mm -hmm. And let them know there's room for negotiation, mm -hmm. but like start there. And I mm -hmm. said, okay. And I got it. So listen, if you ever doubt that money. raising your 50%, that well, I phoned a friend and you she told me to raise bag. And I've been in this business for a long time. I should know better, but yeah. I would have been happy with the other amount. Like yeah. that's a, that was a good amount. But this, I'm like, this is kind of just changed the game. Yes. Because now I'm like, this is my new fee. Yeah. And all this to say that I was afraid of trying to make more money because I had a false narrative around what that would mean. The mm. fear was rooted in a false narrative that making more money means sacrificing your time. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just means realizing, I've, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to protect my time. Yeah. So that's what the fear was telling me to do. So then she, the fear was like, whatever you end up doing to make more money, make sure that you prioritize your time. Wow, that's it. And that's it, that was the, that was the framework. Yeah. And I do these things not knowing I'm being conscious about a framework until I'm like writing the book and I'm like, how did I do that thing? Mm. And that's the wisdom that I want to give people because when we're talking about money, the underpinning emotion is fear. If we can get to that underpinning emotion, the decisions get a lot easier, Anthony. They just do. Because when you uh, listen to your fears, what are you actually doing? You are listening to yourself. You are turning inward as opposed to looking everywhere else for answers, mm. which can keep you stuck, it can lead you to dead ends, it can lead to regret. I've done it all, I've done all those mistakes, but I've slowly learned how to be a better communicator with my fear. Yeah. And I think it's just accessible to all of us. This is, this is not a book about how to get richer yeah. by working harder, it's about how to just tap into what you already have to make the better decisions. And if I, like you, am all about financial equity, mm -hmm. like what is the more equitable resource than fear? <laughs> we are terrified 24-7. We are very familiar with fear. Yo, man, Farnoosh, I'm loving this conversation. Um, Y'all, Farnoosh has a book coming out. It's actually on pre-sale now. It comes out October 3rd. Um, and I'm really excited about this. It, it, the name of the book is called A Healthy State of Panic. Follow your fears to build wealth. Come on now, Farnoosh. Crush your career and win at life. And so we're going to drop this book in uh, today's show notes. Um, please get your copy. Please support it. We need to help her become a New York Times bestseller. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. You know we what get, I'm saying? I mean, all these Johns at the top of this. By the way, this week, mm -hmm. a book with my literary agent sends me all the, like, New York Times winners and, like, how many books they sold. Yeah. Someone this week sold over 150. 12,000 copies in a, well, the way it works, little insider baseball, is that all the pre-sales and that first week that your book is out counts mm -hmm. as week one. Yes. But I need to get, I'm a, I want to call an investigation. <laughs> I mean, you should see the other amounts of books. It's on, like what, like It was like 5,000, 6,000, 1,100, and then this person with their 116,000. I don't listen, know. Listen, I, I wanna... mean, I believe it, Farnoosh. You know, my my, a lot, my mentor and friend, Dave Ramsey, man, he, he'll he sell 80,000 books, but he won't. they won't give them New York Times it's a, It's You know, what you have to remember is that it's editorialized. It they is. They like who they like. It is. And I'm not going to be mad about it if they put me on the list. Yeah. 
but I'm gonna be bad neither when my book come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's get some more people of color, people of different backgrounds on that dang list. Come, you know, give me some love. I mean, thank you, people. Well, of you color. know what? Retire, put everybody else in a hall of fame. Come on, this now. one man has been at the top of the list more or less for the last year and a half. Absolutely. I know who you're you all know about. who it is. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Can we just put him into a hall, hall of fame? Hall of Fame. <laughs> you are a bestseller forever. Right. <laughs> like throw him a party. Listen. Red carpet. Let's do it. But you can no longer <laughs> make the list with this book. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the same book that's been out. Well, I ain't, I ain't, and by the way, people buy their own books. Oh. Shit. Okay. I'm not going to say. I that. didn't say that out loud. I, I'm, I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> Oh, Lord Jesus. But you know what? Hey, Farnoosh, um, January. I, what, what kind of fear would you call this? I'm going to put myself on black. Okay. Because I think I think a lot of people look at us and they feel like, okay, man, they got it. They're successful. They're on live with Kelly and Ron. They don't have no fears. Oh, please. And the devil is a lie. You know, it's mm -hmm. like I get fearful. And, I, and I'll be vulnerable in January. Not January. In June. Um, I signed an agreement to get a brand new building. It's about 5,000 square feet. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So me and my team can move into a, a building. And then also I'm creating this building to where other creators and influencers who may not have my level of resources can come in and get my level of um, execution. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so... That's a little plug. That's coming soon. Um, <laughs> Sign here, me up. Yeah, in, in the D.C. area. And so we're going to have, you know, um, two studios built in there, um, podcast rooms, webinar Amazing. rooms. Right? Wow, wow. But that bill is expensive. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I'm talking about five digits a month. And I felt this level of fear just drop on me. Because this is like... I'm scared for you. See, you know what I'm saying? Like I got five <laughs> figures there on top of the five figures that I have to pay out every single month for payroll, business expenses, um, and then add that on to it. And that's a five-year commitment that I have to stick to. So that's a six-figure situation that I've locked myself into. And I felt this level of fear. And I called my mentors. Man, I called one of them. I was like, I felt like I was having a panic attack. I was like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, like, like yeah, man, yeah, I need to get yeah. out. I called my realtors, and I was like, man, I got to get you gotta out. You got to call me next time. I'm going to call you, and I'm going to call Tiffany. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I have some issues going on with my family at the same time, some health issues, and I was scared. I was like, yo, I may have to go home. I may have to move. Oh so all this stuff hit me, mm. and then my mentor was like, well, if you wasn't fearful, mm -hmm. I would be concerned if you wasn't. Mm-hmm. What's going on, family? It's your boy, Anthony O'Neill. Now, before we get into today's show, I want to talk about something that's very important to me. You see, growing up, seeing folks who looked like me on TV, hearing them on the radio, or reading their words, it showed me we could own our own narratives. It's more than just seeing black faces. It's about hearing our truths. You see, legends like Oprah and icons like Tyler Perry, they weren't just entertaining. They were mirrors of our resilience, our joy, and our struggles. That's why NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths hits totally different. It's a whole vibe of celebration, capturing every shade of our experience. Imagine diving into the tales that speak to our soul, from the laughter and love to the real talk about what shapes us. From legends in the game to stories about our everyday heroes, this collection has no Bounds. You see, recently I got to tune in to an episode and let me keep it real with you. It's like sitting down with my family. The host, the stories, it's all about us and it's for us. It's real, it's raw, it's relevant, and it's uplifting. Showing every facet of being black in today's world. 
it's time to level up our playlist. After today's show, dive into Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR. Wherever you get your podcast, let's keep making sure our stories are told by us for us. Now, let's get to today's show. What's going on, fam? It's your boy, Anthony O'Neill. Have you ever wanted to uh, get into a new culture? Or are you even thinking about taking a trip and you really want to know what people are saying around you? Or maybe you're like me and you want to learn something new. I remember how hard it was to learn a language in school. And because of textbooks, it wasn't enough for me. Well, let me introduce you to my new friends over at Rosetta Stone. It's a top choice for learning languages and has been for over 30 years. Now you can use it right on your computer or on your phone. It's more than just trusting and remembering words. It's about getting deep into the language, being able to speak, listen, and even think differently. You see, Rosetta Stone has 25 languages from Spanish to French to even Japanese and a whole lot more. They even have this cool speech recognition called true accent that helps you say things right. And there's a special deal just for you. A lifetime membership to all 25 languages for 50% off. So don't wait. Now's the perfect time to start learning a new language. My listeners can get this awesome deal for a limited time. Just go to rosettastone.com today. Start unlocking languages and traveling with no worries by going to rosettastone.com today. Let's forget about all these language barriers and let's get into today's show. What's going on, family? Let's talk about something that's been buzzing in the tech world, AI safety and security. How do you feel about the rapid advancements in AI and the potential risk that it brings? Have you heard of the stories about AI being tricked? It's a real concern, but fear not because there's a real solution, AI Red Teaming. You see, AI Red Teaming is all about stress testing. You see, AI models and deployments to prevent unauthorized access and data leaks. It's about ensuring that your AI can't be tricked into providing information beyond its intended use. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. My friends over at HackerOne has a community of over 750 active hackers specializing in AI security testing. You see, in a recent engagement, just 18 hackers identified over 100 valid findings in just two weeks. That's the power of ethical hackers. Wow. So if you want to ensure the safety and security of your AI deployments, look no further. Head over to HackerOne.com and explore their AI red teaming services. With strategic flexibility, rapid deployment, and a hybrid talent strategy, HackerOne has everyone, everything you need to safeguard your AI. Don't let AI keep you up at night. Visit HackerOne.com today and rest easy knowing that your AI is in safe hands. So can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure, talk to me. What's been the strategy since? Since? January. Since January, you had that episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then what was what, what came out of that? I mean, I just came out of it and said, man, this is honestly going to be a benefit to me and to the people in D.C. and the DMV area. Right. And we were like, hey, we're going to help a lot more people mm -hmm. uh, because we're going to do it. We will be able to do a lot more stuff as a team. Mm -hmm. And then, two, we're going to help other influencers like yourself and other people get their message out who are maybe new to the business. Mm -hmm. um, and so we was like, I'm just like, hey, the strategy is we're going to get in there 
I'm just going to take it. I'm still a little fearful because right. I don't know if it's going right, to work. Right, right, I, I believe it's going to work because I know anything that I touch, I'm going to work hard at it. But it's still part of me. is like, hey, I'm going to get in there and give it my best. But I also know that my best needs a great team. Mm. And so it's like, it's not just on me. I got to work. I mean, you're living the healthy state of panic. Yes. Life. I, I, I think what I'm hearing from your story is two types of fear were prevalent. Okay. Fear of uncertainty. Yes. Fear of failure. Yes, that's it. Fear of endings as well, which is a chapter in the book, which is really about when things come, you're afraid of something coming to an end okay. and having regret. Yeah, yeah. So like if this project didn't come out to fruition, yes, there's that failure, but there's also like that oh, regret yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that we don't want to feel. Yeah. Um, but I think how you engineered it, how you thought about, like, um, I, that's why I asked, like, what happened next was because you kind of, you kind of did the things, I say, with the fear of uncertainty, can't, certain, uncertainty is basically the only certain thing in life. Okay. Okay. We right. accept that. Right. So when the fear shows up, it's not asking you to try to decode the uncertainty. Yeah. It's asking you to figure out what is certain yeah. and focus on that. So good. You know, like, I'm hearing from you that you realized that, yeah, you don't know how the money might be coming in or will people be into it, mm -hmm. but you know yourself, mm -hmm. you know your track record, mm -hmm. you know your team, you know the books, and so that's what you're going to focus on, and that helps to alleviate some of the fear. But the failure part of it, the fear of failure, sometimes we fear failure because we're measuring the wrong kind of success. Ooh, break that down. Okay, so... You go into a project and you have already like in your mind a vision for it, that this is what would mean success for you. Mm -hmm. But then you start to fear failure because maybe that success, that definition of success is a little off. Yeah. Like it's someone else's vision or you, it's an objectively great outcome and you bought into it, but something inside you saying, you know what, I think like, I'm not going to meet that expectation because it's not really who I am. Mm. But what I hear you did was you said you basically pivoted or at least re went back to the core of what this project is really about, which is community. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. you were maybe focusing too much on the finances. I was. And of course, that's a measure of success. But right. is it all that matters? No. The principally, principally, it is the community that you're building and the impact that you're making, which you know yeah. you can control, right. that you have a good track record at doing, yeah. that the people will come for Anthony. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is what I think is the better success and is the more aligned success for you because it's mm -hmm. like actually who you are and what you can provide. It's what you can control. Yeah. So then when the fear of uncertainty shows up and the fear of failure shows up, it's asking you to just kind of like look inward with uncertainty. What can I control? What are the resources that I have? Not just money, yeah. but like my community, my people, my experiences, my ambition. No one can take that away from you. Yeah. That is not uncertain. Facts. Fear of failure, I get it, we all have it, but sometimes it's because we are focusing on the wrong goalpost. Yeah. We gotta redirect yeah. and go, oh yeah, that's more me. Yeah. That's actually what I wanna do. I will not fail at that because I've never failed at that. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm. Um, I was in a job once and I almost got fired. <laughs> oh man, it was over the dumbest thing looking back. But in the moment, it was just heartbreaking. I was mm. 23 years old. I was at Money Magazine. Okay. I think I was even younger. I think I was like 22, 21. I got. I wrote an article for the magazine. This is back when magazines people was, actually like yes, read them. Right. It was like a big deal. They paid good salaries to the staff, and I wrote an article about dollar stores. 
and uh, there was a, a mistake in the article, Anthony. It uh -oh. came out and it said, you know, the, let, the line was like, dollar stores where everything is a dollar. Well, not everything's a dollar. It's a dollar, dollar. <laughs> dollar y'all. It sometimes is five dollars. Right. And so the magazine is printed. It's sitting in dentist office everywhere. Like, and my boss calls me in that morning. He's like, "I got to talk to you about your article." I said, "Well, what's yes? Let's talk about my article." And he said, "It's not good." He said, um, "You know," and he read the line to me, and I said. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, are, are all dollar stores a dollar? I said, no, but most are. He goes, well, you didn't say most. most. You said you all. Said all. Mm. Which, I mean, I can't dispute that. Right. That's right. a fact. And I walked out, and then um, on the way back to my, my walk of shame, back to my cubicle, another manager pulls me in, Michael, and he said, you know, I heard what happened, and just, you know, like, if it happens again, you're, we gotta, we gotta be, you're done. I just started there. I have a graduate degree from Columbia Journalism School. Like, I can't go back home right, right, because right. of this. Right, 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 right. This isn't even a scandal, you know? Like, <laughs> at least I want to go down in flames, right. make a name for myself. But right. this was not how I was, like, going to go down. And I realized there that sometimes failure is not, is not working in a bubble. Mm -hmm. I was set up to fail there. Mm. I take accountability for that mistake, but mm -hmm. you know what? Several people read that article too. Um, it's I was actually a fact checker on the on the magazine staff at the time, mm. and I was responsible for finding everybody else's mistakes. But there was no backstop for me. Gotcha. Who's who's below me? I'm I'm it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just me and only me working on my stuff. There was no team. There was no support. There was no yeah. mentoring. There was no forgiving. And you know, when you're in your early 20s, that's more important than a paycheck sometimes. Absolutely. To Absolutely. be somewhere where they believe in you and they they understand mistakes are gonna happen. And then, you know, again, accountability is important. I'm Absolutely. not saying like go through life, oh, it's not my fault. But when I called my mother crying in Midtown that morning, because I thought, okay, I'm getting canned. I told her the story and she said, ah, which means, those idiots. <laughs> and I was like, Mom, did you not hear the story? I'm the idiot. Right. I'm the idiot in the story. She goes, no, no, no. Didn't anybody else check your stuff? Like, I don't understand where you're working, that this wow. could even happen. Wow. You're one person. You're working for a national magazine. They don't have resources to just, right. really? Right. I said, yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, I thought working here was going to be the epitome of success. Yeah. And truly, it is an honor. It was a privilege. Not everybody could be where I was. But I recognized that I was, I had fallen prey to this ideal of success, which was like, you get to this magazine, you're in New York. A lot of the editors there were making great salaries. They were supporting their kids through private school. I thought, this is it for me. But was it? Mm. That moment was so much like a breakthrough for me, I was like, well, first of all, not all of this was my fault. Mm. But second of all, I think that I need to change my goalpost because mm. here I'm setting myself up for failure. Mm. I am not being set up for success. Mm -hmm. So if I fear failure, it's for a reason because mm -hmm. my gut's telling me, look around. Mm -hmm. Do these people have your back? Mm -hmm. Doesn't feel like it, doesn't yeah. seem like it. So maybe you need to go somewhere else. Yeah. And then I did months later. But I didn't go down in flames. I made sure that I cleaned up my act before I left. I wanted okay. to leave with good relationships, yes. with a good reputation. The next article that crossed my desk that I had to fact check, I found 18 mistakes, maybe 20. <laughs> I said, you know, 
everyone's making mistakes around me. Why am I the only <laughs> one who's getting a threat to be called? You know what right, I mean? Right. So I get, uh, I get, I do that, and, and the editor in chief calls me in and and says, uh, Ray puts up the article that I had drafted, the, the draft of the article with all the my red lines. It was somebody else's article, and they were like. I thought they were gonna say like you missed something, you know, like gotcha. Right, right. And they said great job. Wow. And the, the writer was sitting in the room with me, and she was like, "Thank you so much for catching all those mistakes." Wow. I was like, "Yeah, it's what I do. Too bad y'all don't do that for me around here." Exactly. So I appreciate you, love you, bye. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I when my last day, my boss came and said, "Were you not happy here?" I said, "You know, I was, and I'm grateful, but I'm just ready." Mm. I'm ready for something else. Mm. You got to always keep it elegant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it elegant. Facts, facts. And I so I went back to money years later as a contributing editor. Like you know, yes. not everything has to be a dead end. Absolutely. Even a failure can just be an opening to something else, and Absolutely. then you go back to that time with more of an understanding of yes. who you are and what you want. No, that's totally facts. Man, that's so good. You know, I want to ask you this question um, as we come to the end of the show. A lot of people who watch me write, they are fearful of investing into the stock market. Oh, yes. They're fearful to get um, a will or an estate plan because they're fearful yep. to talk about their death afterlife. Yeah. Why is that a fear that we should kind of dive into? Because I believe yes. that fear is preventing us from building wealth. That yes. fear is preventing us from really taking care of our loved ones. You know, I have people who are even fearful to, of getting life insurance because yeah. they're like, well, why do I want life insurance? Like, I'm still alive. Yeah. Like, these people are fearful of the basic stuff in life, but I believe it's preventing a lot of us. Yes, you all. I'm talking to y'all right here. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because it's like I feel as if they're they're fearful of seeing the truth. And all like when it comes to like the will and estate plan, and me and you were on live with Kelly and Ryan, and we was talking about retirement. We was talking mm -hmm. about wills and estates on that day. And it's like I feel as if they're fearful to talk about that. And I believe that fear is hurting their loved ones. Mm -hmm. But then fearful of investing into the stock market is fear. That's preventing them from retiring well, which you have been talking a lot yeah. on your content about that. What, how do we, what should we do with that fear? Yeah, I love this question because I've been afraid of the stock market. I've been afraid of talking about money yeah. with loved ones. I've been, I, I mean, I'm doing my will now again. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's not a walk in the park. It's not. You know what I mean? It it's like, not. okay, we're talking about this. We're going to think about dying. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> I always say to people, when you're afraid of something in your financial life today mm -hmm. and you're choosing to not do the thing or ignore it, which is what fear sometimes initially feels like it wants us to do. It wants mm -hmm. us to stop, drop, and roll. It wants us to fear, flight, whatever, freeze. I say, I want to raise that fear to another fear mm. that's even scarier. Because mm. this fear that you're feeling right now, it's not motivating you mm. to do anything healthy. Mm -hmm. What is the fear that is related to this that would make you actually go, okay, I need to invest, I need to do the will. And I would say for it's about extrapolating into the future. Mm -hmm. If you sit with this fear and do nothing, what is the scarier thing waiting for you down the road? Envision it, go to the dark place. Every time I've done this in my own life, Anthony, it has like like I'm, I'm like a rocket ship. I like go and do the thing because investing, for example, you're afraid of investing. I get it. It's volatile, ups, downs. It's high stakes. Yeah. But if you don't invest and you just put your money 
in a 0.01% savings account or under the mattress or whatever people are doing. In 25 years, I'm going to show you the math. Talk 25 about 25 years, you're going to have this versus this. Talk this about versus it. this. Yes. And if you come into retirement realizing, I can't retire, or I got to call up my kids now. Ooh. Isn't that terrifying? That is scarier. That's scarier than a little bit of volatility, which is actually what wow. stocks do to be able to grow. Come on. You know? So that's investing. I say, like, think about your future. If you don't invest, what's the scarier thing awaiting you? Because mm -hmm. that's usually the t more terrifying portrait yes. of your life that would hopefully give you the impetus to go do something about it. And you can just start small, you know, mm -hmm. just start with $10 a day, whatever mm -hmm. you can do, open up the 401k. And then with regards to the wills and the estates, I mean, death is terrifying, but I also think it's like what keeps me going mm -hmm. to know that I could die. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to live. Mm -hmm. The fear of death mm -hmm. is the, probably one of the most powerful fears. Mm -hmm. It is the rumble, as one quote says, that that keeps us like, alive and, and doing and thinking and putting one foot in front of the other. If you think about if I don't have a will and I die, or if I don't have life insurance and I die, what does that mean for my family? That's terrifying. Yeah. I've seen it. I've yes. seen families scramble and yeah. become, well, that is not the legacy. Mm. Is that the legacy you want to leave your family? You worked so hard. Why wouldn't you want to protect that? Mm. And I get it. It's scary now. But there's something far scarier waiting for you. So your job is to imagine that far scarier thing. I say in the book, I say, go to the dark place, the scariest what ifs. It's not because I want to. I'm not a masochist, I yeah. promise. I'm not trying to make yeah. you scared just to be scared. It's because fear motivates. But you got to find the right fear. Because what you're afraid of right now is just keeping you stuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. investing scary. Yeah. But let me give you, like, sit with me. I'll tell you what's scarier. Man, listen, you're you speaking good. It, it's, it's, you know, Aretha Franklin passed, and uh, we watched her family, you know, struggle and scramble through some of the things because, unfortunately, she didn't have the proper um, estate plan put into place. And I remember when I was sitting down with one of my mentors, was like, hey, Anthony, you've you've built this wealth rather quickly. Mm -hmm. And... You know, do you have a will? It's like, yeah, I got a will. I had a will ever since, you know, a few years ago. It's like, all right, cool. Do you have an estate plan? I was like, an estate plan? <laughs> what do you need an estate plan for? Well, you need a trust. I'm like a trust? Yeah, you, you you need a power of attorney. Power of attorney for what? <laughs> <laughs> for who? For what? I ain't got no kids, got no family. He was like, that's the point. You have a family, but you don't have nothing to where you've worked hard for all this stuff that you you own. Mm -hmm. Don't turn it over to the state and then now have your family fighting each other for your assets mm -hmm. because you were scared to put it on paper. And, you know, me being a Christian, it's like, I believe that I'll be in heaven and I don't want to look down and see my loved ones, my sister, my brother. my I have four parents. I have two bi biological parents and two other parents. And I don't like the term step, so I call them other parents. Mm -hmm. and, so, and I don't want them saying, well, Anthony would have want this. Anthony would have want that. Mm -hmm. Now they're mm -hmm. arguing and I'm and, and I'm gone. And I'm like, that's scary to me that I was so selfish mm -hmm. when I was alive that I didn't think about them if life was to happen after me. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't want my family doing that. Uh, listen, Martin Luther King. Everyone knows his story. His his children fought each other. 
because he didn't have the proper stuff put into place. And and that went on for years, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sad. And yeah. I'm like, man. So this book, Farnoosh, is it is needed because I believe that if we can get over certain fears, and what I like about this book is you don't just say, hey, here's the fear and get over it. You walk us through practical ways, practical yeah. questions, practical strategies on how to use that fear to help us build, help us build wealth, and to help us crush our careers. Um, and I'm curious. Last question for you: What made you write this book? What was the key? Oh my thing? gosh! Oh my gosh! So this book started as me wanting to share some wild adventures of growing up the daughter of Iranian immigrants yeah. in Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester, for all <laughs> you from Worcester, and. As I'm writing and writing and writing, and you know, I've been in personal finance for 20 years at this point. I'm ready for something creative and fresh and maybe narrative and memoir-y. Yeah. Who cares about my life, right? So I'm writing these stories and I realize there is a clear pattern in all of these stories and it has to do with fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I'm telling these little stories, there is this bigger story about fear. It's constantly showing up. And thankfully my editor said to me, you know, I think that Stories are wonderful. Mm-hmm. You're a great storyteller, but I think that your audience expects a level of advice. They want advice from you. They've been listening to you forever. Like, give them something constructive. Absolutely. Not just fun stories or Absolutely. funny stories that inspire. And she said, I think that the big idea and what the co- sort of counterculture idea that you have, which is exciting, is that fear can be a superpower. Yes. And using those illustrative stories, the the humor, the, the the failures, the you know the sloppiness and the messiness of growing up, as how you bring these this 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 big idea to life. Yeah, you know, fear is taboo. We don't want to talk about it. This book is hopefully going to get us to like, just be okay with it. Yeah, you know, um, fear needs a rebrand. Yeah, it does. It does, and we we owe it to ourselves. Yeah, man, listen, it's Farnoosh. I said it right. Our news. My my coach, my track coach in, in high school used to. You ran it. track. What did I, you run? I tried. I oh man, they tried everything with me. I was like, <laughs> I I just wanted to be a part of. I look, I so wanted to be a part of something that was bigger than me. Growing up, uh, always. I was okay. so that's why I, like I was in theater and I I failed at sports, but I always tried. I love to fail at tennis and track and running. Okay. I think okay. there's you should try, find something you fail at and keep doing it. It's yeah. something. There's something there, but track for me. That's me. I tried. I tried the sixteen hundred, the four hundred. Then they were like, we're just gonna give you long jump. Because that, and then finally, I just became the snack girl because I could not. That is hilarious. Finish anything in track. I was just. Uh, I remember my first meet. I threw up. My coach said, "Welcome to the team." I said, Yo. "This is not how I like to do things." That is hilarious. I don't like to get messy. Wow. So then I just did theater. Man. Uh, yeah. Yo, listen, man. Hey, you guys, we are going to drop Farnoosh Books, uh, her book link, and today's show notes. Um, definitely, please go and uh, buy one and buy one for a friend um, and share today's episode with someone because this is a very unique conversation that I really do believe that if we can, one, use our fears in, in a healthy way, um, it will help us elevate to the next level and to the next destination uh, within our lives and within our success journeys. And so this is a book that I want to highly encourage you all to get. Um, get it for yourself. Read. Um, if you want the audio version, get the audio version. Get whatever you need to get so you can <laughs> get the information. Remember, we perish for the lack of knowledge and lack of wisdom. 
And uh, Farnoosh is a queen in this business. She has years of experience over me. And there's nothing like having a veteran at the table, having a real healthy conversation uh, that can teach us all something. So I'm looking forward to reading uh, the rest of this book. I actually have an advanced copy. I don't know if she's going to let me keep this oh, copy. Oh, it's yours. Oh, it's mine? It's all yours. Bet. And so I got to jump on a flight today. So I'm going to be uh, reading this and supporting this amazing lady. And so I need y'all to do the same thing. All right. So listen, we're going to drop the book in today's show notes so we're going to drop her instagram and website as well so y'all can go over there and subscribe to her show she has an amazing podcast uh that i want y'all to check out check it out support her rock with her she's family she's at the table and so um i love you all we'll see you all next show thank you so much thank you so much peace